welcome to the Roseborg podcast, where me and my co-host, Tony Spaghetti. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Great things with even better people. And uh, this is our our third episode. I think we're getting getting a little better as we go. Oh, fourth episode. Sorry. This is four. This is number four, uh, Sarah. So. so I'm going to assume this is a long week for you. How's your week going, actually? My week's going great. Um, it uh, I've been coaching weightlifting. Uh, we got two new Jersey cows. Um, I'm trying to get rid oh. of two cows. Which ones? Why does your audio sound weird? What What does it sound like? Oh, there it goes. I think you're just like which ones? Uh, I got. I was excited. Two, I got two Jersey cows. Um, they're milk cows, like family milk cows. Uh, Biscuit and Butter are their names. Nice. But there's two cows here that I'm trying to catch and get rid of. Who? They keep eluding capture. So they're just freeloading on my farm and it's pissing me off. But what your old cows you're trying to catch? I'm trying to I sold Pearl and her calf and I'm trying to <sighs> get them. But Pearl is our oldest cow and she's our smartest cow. And she's not she's smarter than me because I can't freaking catch her. So I'm hmm. not a cowboy yet. I don't have a. I can't like rope her. So I'm just trying to like corral her and she's weak. not having anything. That's weak. Uh, How about you? Um, really, really good week. So uh did a lot of stuff for the aero business. Um, had a lot of meetings at work. Uh, and man, that was a powerful episode with Brooke last week. I thought about the stuff we talked about all week long. I talked to my wife about it. Uh, she, she's, she was awesome. What, a, what great information um, that we got from her. So hopefully everybody liked that and, uh, picked up some tips, um, as far as, you know, how to eat better, um, how to have a better relationship with food. So, uh, I know that that was kind of your, uh, kind of your realm, right? Um, I'm really, really, really excited about, uh, episode four, um, with one of my close friends. Um, I've known him for, and probably 10 years now, um, being in the, uh, martial arts world, if you know, Anything about uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you have heard of the infamous Mr. Jiu-Jitsu, a.k.a. Mike Mijas. We'd like to welcome to the show. Hello, Mike. Guys, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely, Mike. Thanks for Uh, coming on. So, so. Don't be mean to us. No. Mike's a, uh, Mike's a gentle (laughs) giant. Mike's about six, just so in case anybody doesn't know him or of him, he's about six, five. (laughs) Just as much as your six five. He's no, he's well. Mine's legit six three. And a, and a full head of hair. And a, <laughs> a luscious, luscious locks. Well, I, I got a quick question for Sarah. When you were talking about cows, explain that real quick. What do you mean you were catching cows? So I have um, a I have a farm, a family farm where I don't trust anything about the government or how they handle food, and I don't like how they handle food. So I decided to grow my own food. So I currently have nine cows. I have seven Highland cows, like the fluffy ones with the horns. They look like I have two Jersey cows. Yeah, they they look, they're adorable. And I have two Jersey cows, which will be my milk cow. I'm a big fan of raw milk. I think it's awesome. And, um, but we sold two of the cows. We like to be like a seven cow farm, not a nine cow farm. And, uh, I can't catch her. Uh, She's, we have like, they're in a five acre pasture right now until we can rotationally graze them. And she's, She's our only white cow and she's like white lightning. She's just quick on her feet. That that is awesome. Thank you. That if is you ever that if you is, ever come by with Tony, we'll awesome. uh, make you a steak. Yeah, you can butt I, 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 right I, I am a steak addict. Uh, I thought you were telling me you're vegan. I was like, no. 
No, I'm the exact opposite of that. If you see the last video I posted, you'll see how unvegan I am. Actually, the last video I posted, I probably got about mm, maybe 50 direct messages uh, from Animal Killer to how could you do that? How sounds like you, sir. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's Ed. Ed brought me a cow, and uh, I posted the video, and it just people just went absolutely nuts because I said I the video. Because yeah. all I said in the video, if you're a vegan, please look away. That's all I said, and then just it it it's usually vegans uh, don't like me. I'm not sure why. Like it's I'm just, a vegan, and I did not look away, so I am angry. Yeah, it was uh, it was it's, it's just why look you you know that I eat a lot of meat. I post that I eat a lot of meat. I everything yeah. I do has is based around meat, so it's uh. I think the, the the funny thing is, and like I posted this, that like if you're a vegan, you're really not doing what you think you're doing. Um, so as far as like my my farm, right? I um ha- a bit of my land is for hay, so the cows can eat silly grass. I just feed grass during the winter, and you should see how long the turkey vultures hang out on my farm after the trucks, after the, the plows go through, after everything gets hayed, a bunch of things die. Things get caught up in the machines. And, and I mean, that's just kind of how it is. So like if my one animal dies for me to eat, a lot of animals die in agriculture, you know, more than anything. So like, is it just, is it just, just this animal you don't want to die or is like, Mm. The ones that are in cartoons, people don't want to die. Bears, pigs, deers, anything that looks like it could be in a in a kid's comic, we, we don't want that to die. But that's yes, not real. Bears are delicious. Yes. Yeah, I I've had a bear. Yeah. I love bear. I've had a bear. It's delicious. That's like sweet beef. It is. Yes. Sarah cooked me some bear one time. It was fantastic. Huh? Yeah, it was gonna, sweet. Okay. It was really, really good. I'm but big hey, on like women's, like, I think women and men both have roles in relationships. And my role in a relationship is to cook and provide for my family. So throw down a bear meatloaf. I love it. That's what's up. Hey, Mike. So before we get ahead of ourselves, uh, you're probably going to get called Mike and you're probably going to get called Mr. Jiu-Jitsu, Mr. JJ. So you're going to have to respond to all three. But, um, you know, tell uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, Obviously, there's Jiu-Jitsu in your name. So uh, or in your alias. Um, But tell us, tell tell the listeners if they have not uh, looked you up or followed you yet. uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Are you? I am a Mike. I am a middle-aged nobody in the middle of Ohio. <laughs> that's, a, no, I, uh, that's a rough start. <laughs> a rough start. So I started uh, like well, most people know me through martial arts. Uh, I started training um, mixed martial arts in 1996. I was uh, hanging out with a bunch of my buddies. We weren't doing too much with our life at the time, and we stumbled stumbled into a blockbuster video. Uh, I might be dating myself how old I am. So Sarah, my in the secret okay. room in the secret room well these videos were by the secret room <laughs> we'll explain to we'll explain to people later what the what secret room is so there's an area <laughs> in blockbuster so right before you went in the secret room the 18 and older room they have a series of videos they have uh faces of death i don't know if you remember that i know i know faces of death yes. okay so right by face of death they would have the first couple of ufc's ufc one two three i think only ufc one two and three were out at the time so me and my buddies were going there, the back room, a couple other rooms there. And the I was back like, room no, was this... when they had the adult videos just yes. for people yes, for that didn't know. Yeah. I wasn't old enough. 
Yeah, it was a, <laughs> it was a very smelly room for some reason. I don't know why. It, 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 it had a stench to it. It had a very unique, a very fishy stench. You to could it. smell it now, yeah. huh? You could smell it now, huh? So I we, were, we went to go to the blockbuster to get a uh, face of death video and go back to my buddy's house, drink, get high, whatever we're gonna do. And I'm like, man, there's this video. It says it says two people enter a cage, one one man leaves. So I figured it was gonna be like kind of like face of death situation. Gonna fight to the death. So it was UFC one. So we go to my buddy's house and we're watching it. And there's this little Brazilian guy named Hoist Gracie, maybe 170 pounds, and he's absolutely decimating guys that are three, four times the size. Uh, boxers, kickboxers, uh, fifth degree black belts in karate. And I'm like, this guy's barely using, like how I thought fighting was to what I saw what fighting was, was blowing my mind, like right on the spot. I'm Not like, even throwing a punch. I was like, how is this guy doing? Like he's fighting a professional boxer. He just takes him down. He didn't even put the guy in a submission. The guy had one glove on. The guy just gave up. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, so right away, I'm like, rewind that. What happened? What are you doing? And I, and everyone, we were just confused. And then the next video, he does take the guy down again. Does oh he had he had Ken Shamrock in the next video, famous, famous wrestler went to, onto the WWE, chokes him out in less less than a minute, and, right, and, yeah. and Shamrock is jacked. Yeah. So so just by looking at clean, it, clean clean like, athlete. Yeah. By by knowing nothing about like fighting, I'm like, well, well this guy's going to beat him just because he's big, he's jacked. You know, the little same thing. He goes behind this guy, chokes him. And the finals does the same thing again. And I'm and I'm watching this and I'm like, guys, I'm gonna take this video home. I wanna watch it again. They're like, go ahead, take it and knock yourself out. The Roseborg Podcast is brought to you by 330 Archery. 330 Archery specializes in handcrafting arrows designed for you and your bow. The special care guarantees that your arrow will not let you down when you need it most. Perfection is their obsession. Perfection is 330 Archery. Three weeks later, I'm in a cage in Iowa fighting. <laughs> no chill. No chill. Because I'm like, a little I crazy. Do this? Yeah. So three weeks later, with no training, a couple of my buddies watching the, we went and got UFC two and three after that. I'm watching these. I set up for a fight in Iowa and it went how you thought it would go. I got armbarred in, I think, a minute and 20 seconds. But that, that set me off to like, I can honestly say I've not stopped training since that day. Since 1996, I have not stopped training until right now. I train almost five, sometimes six days a week. And it's something I haven't stopped. It's, it's just that one video changed my, it literally changed my whole life around. Cause I wasn't doing too much with my life. I was a little on the lazy side. Uh, I was really good at blaming other people for my problems. I lost my father at a young age. So I always had like this chip on my shoulder. So I was always, I was always ready with an yeah. excuse. And Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu put me, it gave me almost like a father figure. It gave me like a parent figure. It gave me uh, like a drill sergeant. It was something that set my life up for how I am now. Like, I believe it wasn't for me watching that video in 1996. I don't think I would have my children right now. I don't think I'd have been married. I think I'd probably be dead. That's how out of control I was. I was very disrespectful. I was, it was everything about me. I would blame other people. And it's amazing how watching UFC one changed my whole life around. And after that, I got really into it. There was a gym in Cleveland, uh, Greg Kramer's Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. It was the only place to do Jiu Jitsu, not just in Ohio, between California and Ohio. It was the only other Gracie gym. 
And I would drive to Cleveland every day. I would train. Every, I would go every day. But I, was, I wasn't into the jiu-jitsu part as much as I was into the MMA part. So for about 10 years, I really focused on MMA. I fought uh, about seven times. My record was horrible. I was three and seven. I, it wasn't really a great record. But I, got, I, got, I was really into the MMA part. Then in, 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 when I was 27, I fought for the amateur no-holds-bar belt. After that, I, I was kind of over it. I was like, you know, this really isn't my thing. I really didn't actually enjoy punching people, believe it or not. It was just, it, it, my, life, my life had kind of changed at that point. And so I got more into the jiu-jitsu part. If you don't know anything about jiu-jitsu, it's like MMA, but there's no punching, there's no kicking. Uh, there's, it's more like wrestling with submission holds. You take the guy down, there's, there's takedowns, there's painful submissions. Of course, you tap his leg locks, there's chokes. But it, it, it sways a little bit from MMA. It's not as violent as MMA. So I did jujitsu, which I still did jujitsu. Um, I competed a lot, especially uh, from, I say from 35, uh, 33, 35 till I was 40, I competed a lot. Uh, there were some years I did almost like 25 tournaments in one year. So I, I did a lot, and they were all local. I never did any, like I did a couple of big tournaments, but everything was used to like, like between PA, West Virginia, uh, I did a couple of Kentucky, Tennessee, but nothing. I didn't really go that much far out. Uh, I fought overseas. I did some pancreation matches, which there's it's you can hit, but with open palm. That's what pancreation is. That's uh, Basically like that. And I fought there. I won the actually the European championship. I won the world pancreation championship. I won a bunch of tournaments over in Europe. I fought in Ukraine, believe it or not. Uh, it's uh, I got that. It was nice to pancreas. I got to fight all over the world, which was pretty cool. So jujitsu, I still do to this day. The last time I competed was in 2000. I fought at Fight to Win. When was that, Tony? When that was probably four years ago, maybe. Maybe four or five years ago. In Cleveland. I think. Yeah. yeah. That was pretty much the last time I competed. Uh, right now, I'm focusing on my kids. I am going to compete again, though. Yeah, I, so you, you and that itch about that yeah, time? I am getting that itch. I get the itch almost like. I get the itch and then I wake up in the morning and it takes me about 30 minutes to get out of bed and the itch goes away pretty quick. <laughs> I have a lot of injuries, but I am going to compete. I promise my kids that I will do a jiu-jitsu tournament with both, both my sons because they want That's to cool. compete at the same time. Um, I'll never compete in MMA again. I promise you that. Unless there's yeah. a really big paycheck attached to it. Sure. You know sure. how like there's like in so many cultures, there's a thing that a, a boy does that turns him into a man. You know, like it's it's been throughout time. That's a thing. Do you think you're, have you thought about like, is your ritual of turning your sons into men or your boys into men? You think that's oh, going to be like jujitsu based? It, it, well, it's, it started from the, the moment both were born, they were doing jujitsu. Both my kids, uh, I was probably doing jujitsu with them one years old. I was doing it both of them. I've, and it's, they both competed in jujitsu. But they, they really sucked them. when they were a year old, huh? yeah they're still not that great it's always always yeah on their back but yeah it's definitely it's something that just by living with me they're gonna have no choice of doing it and like i said i don't force now when i say when i make my kids do martial arts and jujitsu a lot of people get offended because people like should your children have a choice of training and the way i look at it is like would you make your child brush your teeth every day you yes. would, right? Okay. The life skill. But sometimes yeah. kids don't want to brush your teeth, right? Right. Sometimes kids don't want to wipe their butt. Sometimes kids don't want to go to school, but we still make them go, right? Yes. 
So I believe martial arts education should have the same views. I'm not saying he needs to go compete, but he needs to have a steady dose of it weekly of martial arts. I'll show them punching. I'll show them kicking. I'll show them takedowns. I'll show them every week. I show them a little something besides the wrestling that they do. And there's days where they're like, dad, I don't feel like training. I'm like, yeah, I know you don't, but we're going to train because it's part of, it's a life skill I'm giving you. Because just like you make a kid brush your teeth, when they're 22 years old, they're not going to be mad that you made them brush your teeth. They're going to be happy that, guess what? I was spent all this money on, on dental surgery, on, on dentures or anything, because my dad made me brush my teeth. Same thing yeah. with your kids that want to go to school. Now, hey, guess what? You can read now because I made you go to school. It's the same thing as I believe is with martial arts education. It's yes, the kid has multiple options, but training, especially physical training, self-defense, I believe it's it's up there with math. It's up there with brushing your teeth. It's up there with learning and reading and writing. I don't, I don't see the difference between between martial arts or physical education and reading a book. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. I, I, I agree. Mike, so tell me a little bit about, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I may, I may have uh, got this mixed up, but weren't you one of the first sanctioned fights in Ohio? Uh, first unsanctioned fight in Ohio. Oh, unsanctioned. So, yeah. They didn't start sanctioned fights till, till later. What's so the actually, difference between sanctioned and unsanctioned? Uh, the Ohio, the Athletic Commission uh, governs it. Oh, so you just were fighting without the athletic commission governing in it. Yeah. So the, the, I, I did a fight in uh, 1996 at the ITAM in Cleveland. Uh, ITAMs are like, uh, they're like clubs. I don't know how to explain what an ITAM is. It's like the Eagles or like the, yeah. like a, um, like the army Navy. Like a VFW. Yeah. 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 Something like that. So I, I fought in that. Uh, I fought under, uh, I used to train with Brad Kohler. I don't know if you guys remember Brad Kohler's. He fought in a couple UFCs. He has a famous UFC video where he acts like he's going to take the guy down and he punches him and he stones him and knocks him out. Short jacked wrestler. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if UFC eight, nine, or maybe the 10, somewhere around there, but he was running these fights and I, I was opening up the training with him. I went down to Columbus and I trained with the hammer house sometimes. So I got hooked up with all these people. And there was never, this was like the first ever like MMA fight. We're in, we're in, we're in a ring. Uh, no weight divisions, no gloves. We just went in there and we just, and you, and I fought, I fought four times that night. You fought tournament style and I, I lost in the finals. How are your uh, hands? Ugh, they're not made for punching, right? Well, I, I, I don't, I don't, let, I don't like punching. Because so my whole strategy was take the guy down, take the guy down okay. and try to choke him. That was my main thing. Yeah. When I was on the ground, I tried to soften him up with some punches, mm -hmm. but there's nothing like snapping punches where you're like gonna, gonna like bust a knuckle or anything. And that was, that was like the first fight. And I fought about three times in Ohio. My last fight was in 1999 in Ohio where I won the amateur belt and actually still was a section at the time. I fought for Monty Cox at the time. They told us before our fights that we were going to get arrested after our fights. They said that this is considered, oh. yeah, but, the, the, but that had all worked out. The promoter paid everyone's fines. I okay. actually, got, I got interviewed by Fox. Record. I got interviewed by Fox 8 before my fight. They're like, hey, Fox wants to interview that. I remember Fox 8 was in Cleveland. I don't know if you remember, Tony. Mm -hmm. So they interviewed me, Dan Severin, uh, Brad Kohler. And I thought we we're going to talk about fighting. The lady goes, you know, how you feel about, you know, promoting violence? And I was, I'm, I was, I didn't know what to say. I was like, uh, I sound like a dumb jock. I'm like, oh, I'm just here to compete. I didn't know what to say. I was like, I'm not promoting <laughs> violence. I would love to find that interview. 
Like, I just hug people really hard in certain yeah. parts of their body to make them sleep. <laughs> Until they move their hands really fast on the mat. But even in I did, it was, it was, I think it was like around 2005, 2006, where they actually started, like the Ohio commission started a uh, sanctioning MMA. And I was actually involved with them when they started. They actually contacted me when they sanctioned their first couple. Of, I was one of the first referees in Ohio for MMA. I think I, I refereed that I, they fought in Niles. Uh, what was it called? I have, IBFL. I remember what you were talking about. Wasn't Jeremy Horn your ref? Jeremy Horn was for my final match. Yeah. 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 My That's final cool. match had a, had a lot of historical things. Uh, Rich Franklin was on my undercard. Whoa. Uh, ben, ben Rothwell was on my undercard. And these guys all went to be famous. I, uh, UFC not, fighters. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went on to be a husband. You're like, you're I, welcome. I would that disagree. So, Mike, where's this? Where does this, uh, this no excuse attitude come from, right? So that's something that you, you kind of mentioned earlier a little bit, but where does this, was there something that something growing up or was it something that kind of you flipped a switch on at a, at a, uh, at a later age, but go into that a little bit. So it's honest to God, it's once I had my first child, it's when it flipped. And I, people always say like, when you have a kid, your life's going to change. And I, people that know me, the last thing they expect me was one for me to even get married or two to even ever have a child that have any kind of responsibility. Uh, I was very responsible. I was, I was a douchebag. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was not a great, great person. And after having my first kid, it literally that switch clicked. And I'm like, I need to do whatever it takes to not just provide for this kid, to be there for this kid, not just financially, but physically. I don't want, I remember driving him home from the hospital my wife's like, hey, it's 55 miles per hour. I was going like 20 miles per hour on the highway. <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's something switched to me. And then it, it, it just, it increased every day. Every time I look at my child, I'm like, I need to do whatever it takes to protect this child. I need to also be, take care of me physically. I need to watch my health. I need to live as long as I can to be with this child. Because I lost my father at a young age, you know. So I, I need to do whatever it takes to be as long as I can. And I also need to leave a good influence with this kid. I need to live him, I need to live him more than just money or this. I need to leave, leave him with that education, that martial arts education, that this is the Legacy. one thing you'll have for the rest of your life. This is something you'll pass on to your children. You can pass on. This is something that will protect you. This is something that will, will almost encircle everything in your life. When you go to school, uh, when you get married, how you treat your wife, how you treat your family, how you treat your friends. It, it'll, it'll change everything about you. So that's, it's something that I'm like, I need to teach this kid everything that I had to learn the hard way. I don't want my kid to have to watch a UFC video and three weeks later step in a cage. I already like, did the dumb shit. Do you think so. that, cause like that one UFC video influenced you so much that it changed your, you completely changed your life. It did. So 100%. do you think that like, you knowing that one influence can completely change someone's life? Does that like, do you think that kind of, sets the tone for like you're like i'm gonna influence my kid more than anyone yes 100%. i better step up like if one influence does this much this much to someone's life like what's that say about how i'm raising my kid i think that's scary yet awesome at the same time <laughs> yeah absolutely. Oh, exactly sarah i agree <laughs> so mike uh my, one of my, my favorite posts of yours and i was reading some to to sarah um, we earlier before the podcast we were here. we were laughing hysterically but the number one uh post that you make that i think causes the most controversy are lazy parents is what you describe them as so tell us a little bit about 
where that came from and what you would describe as a lazy parent. So, so usually I talk about physical, about people's physicality. Like I, I tell people, look, if you can't go up a flight of stairs, it means you're physically out of shape. I'm not, I'm not calling you. I, and a lot of people think I've never called anyone. I've never called anybody fat. I've never called anybody obese in my post. A lot of people get it wrong. They're like, oh, you're fat shaming people. And I tell people, I challenge people all the time. I want you to go through any of my posts and see where I've ever used the word fat. I will not use that word. I will never think, I just tell people, you need to be physically in shape. And then people take that as fat shape. And I tell people, look, you know if you're in shape or not. If you can't go up a flight of steps, you're out of shape. There's, you, there's I don't have to say, you know. say are you, you serving? Know. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, so I'm like, if you can't go up a flight of steps, what else can't you do? What else can't you do for your family when they need you in, in an emergency situa- situation? A lot of people think I'm just talking about jujitsu. Jujitsu is just one aspect of what your family needs from you. If you're in a, say in the middle of the night, your house catches on fire and you need to go pick up your kids and run them out, run them out. Can you physically lift up two kids? Can you run them down the steps? Could you? That has nothing to do with martial arts. You get in a car accident, you need to rip your child out of the car. That takes that takes, you know, strength training. That has nothing to do with martial arts. That has nothing to do with how hard you can punch someone or how badass you are. So uh, your child starts choking. Do you know first aid and CPR? All these basic things that a parent needs. And then, okay, I have I have my way of saying it and it piss piece, it does piss people off, but it gets the point. People know what I'm getting to. They might not admit it, they might get mad at me, they try to troll me, but they know what I'm getting to. They know that you as a parent, it's your obligation to protect your kid in all aspects, not just from someone trying to kidnap them, but they fall in a pool. You need to dive to the bottom of the pool. They're about to run in traffic. You need to sprint after them. These are all things parents, I think it's their obligation. You brought this child in this world. It's your, it's your obligation until they can fend for themselves to protect them in all aspects. Awesome. We're just in too much of like a comfort crisis right now. Yeah. Yep. People haven't made uncomfortable enough to, to make those changes in their lives. That's well, so it's, right. it's you can see it's changing. They're not going to have a choice eventually. Yeah. No. So it, it's, it's impossible to be the best at everything, right? As far as martial arts go. Um, so if you had to give somebody advice on the top five things that maybe somebody folk should focus on to make sure they protect their family as far as martial arts goes, would you say, you know, jujitsu, wrestling, boxing, pistol, you know, being uh, uh, handy with a firearm, CPR, what, what, what kind of would your top five be, Mike? Definitely the first thing would be uh, a pistol. Your concealed carry is extremely important. It's uh, anybody can use it, no matter disabled people can use it. Anyone can use, you know, there's, I know people can shoot with, with one finger, one arm. I know the disabled veterans that can shoot multiple ways. I think a concealed carry is probably one of the most important things that's probably number one right there, concealed carry. And then it's, yeah, I do like jujitsu, but if any kind of grappling art, uh, if you added freestyle wrestling, folk style wrestling, uh, I like Brazilian jujitsu because it covers it all. It's got a little wrestling. It's got a little, uh, it's got the chokes in there. It's got the takedown. It's got the body control, but judo would be great. Uh, me, I would pick Brazilian jujitsu just because I enjoy it. And I know that anybody can do it. it you don't have to be, so at our gym, what's the uh, what's the oldest black belt on the mats? How old is he? Uh, Mr. T, I believe Mr. T seventy nine now. Uh, yeah. he, I think he's. I think he's. I think he's in his eighties. He's eighty. I think yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because yeah. I remember him being on the news, and they said 
he was like 80 something, but yeah, yeah Sarah, he 80 some year old black belt rolls with, and, and rolls I with, roll with him all the time Yeah, and he doesn't go light. He goes hard. He goes yeah. hard. I think I saw Shayna Baszler shared this the other day. Um, it was like a list of, um, I don't know if it was like UFC, like champions or whatever, but the amount of jitsu guys versus the other like specialty guys, Mark like, Hort. yeah, the, the other martial arts, like the jujitsu was way above anyone else. Like there was like one Taekwondo, yeah. like one karate, like, you know, and yeah. then the jujitsu was like, Phew. yep. Strength training. Definitely strength training is something very important. It's uh, I would almost, if, if you're not going to do martial arts, I would put strength training right after the gun. Uh, strength training is very important. It's uh, it's one, it, it keeps injuries away, uh, health longevity. Uh, you, you can always use strength training in an emergency. There's uh, good strength training. Uh, I mean, like a real program, probably Sarah, like someone with a real. If, 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 yeah. Well, <laughs> someone that's like, as long as you're on a correct, you know, if, there's some people who just go to the gym, they'll go to Planet Fitness and they'll do some stuff. I don't consider that strength training. It's, you're still being in shape, but real strength training. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something where you need to use physical strength, not to open jars, but to protect yourself, to get yourself out of an emergency, to get your family out of an emergency. So I think strength training is very important. Uh, four, definitely cardio. Cardio is definitely a must. It's uh, five, uh, CPR. I would uh, learn how to use a trauma kit. Stuff like that, definitely, maybe. Actually, maybe the trauma kit might be up there with a the gun. Yeah, March, everyone, March. Yeah, I think- What's trauma- March, Sarah? Tell them. March is, um, so it's a list you go down if like you see someone in a stress situation. So M is for massive hemorrhaging. No one can bleed, you know, for very long. A is airway. M-A-R is respiratory. C is circulatory system, which is, uh, you know, like your- uh, and stuff and h is um hypothermia so if you if you do all these things everyone and then you ship them to the hospital and they're too cold and their body temperature 70 by the time they get there they're not going to make it long yeah march (laughs) that's a great point so that's a that's a good list mike i gotta i gotta ask the uh cliche question is jujitsu for everyone is it real It's, it's it's for everyone to try Okay. There you it's, go. Not, it's not for everyone to stick with though. You should it's make not. a shirt like that. <laughs> well, there's a <laughs> famous saying I have out that people have, have put on shirts. <laughs> go ahead. Sure. And I told, I told, I told people that, you know, jujitsu is for everyone, but then after six months, it's for like half those people in a couple of <laughs> years, it's about even for less. And about 10 years later, it's about, for, about three or four guys left. You know, it's, it's, there's a high turnover range of jujitsu. Why do you think um, that is? It's it's very it's, there's a lot of ego involved with jujitsu. The ego in jujitsu is mm-hmm. it's out of control. And we don't talk about it in jujitsu. We keep it hush hush. We say leave our ego at the door, but it's very hard. Imagine you're training for two two three years straight. You take a month off, you actually go like four months back. Yeah. So when you go back to training, you got to restart your cardio. You have to restart everything. It's starting from every time you take too much time off. It's like starting all over again. It's very hard. And it's very hard if you've been doing it for three, four years and you take, say you take a year off and some new kid that just started comes and wipes the map, just wipes you up. You, you go back to your car and you're like, what the hell? And it's just, it starts fucking with your head. And that's why a lot of people don't come back. It's very hard to be seen starting from the bottom. The Roseborg podcast is brought to you by Roseborg. 
where family, farm, and fitness all come first. Make sure you join our email list for the most up-to-date, exclusive content. The link to this is in the description. We would greatly appreciate it if you would give us a follow, share our story, and leave us an honest review. Thank you for listening. I think for <laughs> I think for people in general, uh, the hardest thing about jujitsu is one, you know, they think that they have to be in shape before they start, right? So I'm going to get in shape first, then I'm going to start. Two, I think that, you know, for a human being to get to the point where if you don't tap, something breaks or you become unconscious and, and you get, and you roll with somebody who just does that to you over and over and over. Most, most people's instinct says, this is hard. I quit. I well, I'm sure don't our animal like brain, this. I'm sure our animal brain doesn't understand that. It's like, you know, we have fight or flight. And if right. you're fighting your hardest for hours and you're still passing out or still feeling danger or still feeling defeated, I'm sure animal brain is like, dude, we got to leave. What's happening in here? Yeah. This is not a place we need to, to be in. This is not going to help our longevity in life. We're dying all the time. Yeah. Yep. But if you're in the right gym and I think that that has a ton to do with it and I'm not saying fake teachers or this or that, but the atmosphere of a gym will build that camaraderie, that family type atmosphere. And those teammates, as much as you don't want to come, maybe some days where you start feeling like crap, you'll get the call. Like Mike, where are you? Like, let's go, man. Like that, that's, that's the stuff that I think separates some good gyms from some bad gyms. And it's not world champion medals and it's not uh, ADCC, you know, this or that it is the gyms that get it. And the, the teams that get it have that true team atmosphere. Would you agree with that, Mike? I, I So I agree with some of that and I'll, and I'll explain to you what I'm talking about. Sure. So when, when it, when it comes to my training, I'm extremely selfish. So I will train with anybody. I just need to train. I don't care if you, now there's some people where I absolutely won't train with, but if you're like a rough training partner, I'll still train with you. If you are the douchiest training partner, if you're known to hurt your partners, I'll still train with you. It's all to me is it's to me. I'm selfish. So you're known for hurting people. I want to see if you can hurt me. You're known for being the baddest motherfucker in the gym. I want to see it. Even at, even at, about to be 49, I still do that. And I still think that keeps me interested. But to your point also, as someone newer, if you don't have a good atmosphere, they're gone. They're, they're going to be gone. They're not, they're not going to stick with it. So I come from a more selfish standpoint. I'm always challenging myself, especially if I hear you're not, if you're hurting partners, that's who I want to train with. I want to get with the guy who's bending people's fingers, who puts his chin in the guy's eye when they're grappling, who scratches. I want, that's, it's just, it's something I've always had that it's just a mental thing with me, which I, I get excited. If I hear that there's someone rough coming to the gym, I, I want to be the first one to go with him. You don't I, like bullies. I, I get that. I, I don't like bullies. And I, I've, and I always want to test myself against bullies. It's, mm-hmm. it's just something. Now, some gyms, uh, they have, they have different ways of handling that. I don't think it's, I'm not, I'm not there to beat up the bully. I just want to test myself. I don't want to have someone film me in the corner, go look what I did to this bully and then post it. I'm not, I'm not like that. It's more of a personal thing to me. And I, and I think too, like, I think it's important that gyms, when someone new comes in, they're like, we're going to, we're going to try to make this guy quit or we're going to, you know, that, that kind of mentality I think is I've, I've, you know, I'm not having trained as long as you guys, but I've, I've dabbled, you know, and I've definitely been to gyms where 
the point was to make people quit and so they don't come back and who the people who do come back have heart. And I, I agree to extent that it should be hard. Training's hard. So, you know, we should do, you know, fire some live rounds, but I think training just for the purpose of like hurting someone and not them not coming back, you know, not injuring them, but hurting them is a, uh, is something you see in some gyms. Yeah. So they're, they're uh, you got to remember too, in gyms that people are there for different reasons. And, and I, I can tell you that the striking program that, that I run at uh, a local gym, we don't cater. We don't cater to fighters. If it was up to me, uh, I would have not one of my students compete. And, and here's why. And it's not because I don't want somebody to get hurt or this, that, because we have several that compete, but I I'm in it for the carpenter, the teacher, the educator, the lunch lady, the whatever, who uses this hour out of their day to get away from life, to let some stress out, to learn how to defend themselves, to get some confidence, to, uh, to, to make them a better person, to make them put their shoulders back a little bit and, know that, Hey, if there's something that happened, I don't know how to defend myself. If I think if, you know, there are gyms that maybe they're fighter exclusive gyms where, Hey, it's to the death every single round, every single night, because we're getting paid and that's our livelihood. But I think that that's a, that's a different type of gym. But that, well, also Tony, it's, it's like you said, you don't know why people are at the gym and usually the average, like our jiu- like next level, or it's, it's, you have, you have, there's a variety of people. And if you've been there long enough, you know, which ones are going to go hard, which people are there just to train, which people come yeah. every once in a while. Like me, I, 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 I train different. Every person I roll with, I have, I, if you're new, there's no chance I'm going to try and tap you. I'm not even going to, I'm, you're actually going to tap me. Every time I roll with someone new, they tap me. They don't know that I'm going to tap me. A black belt letting me. somebody tap, tap yeah. them. Holy moly. Like, I'm yeah. so good. Wow. And then when I go to, when I visit a lot of gyms, I usually, the first couple of roles, I let everybody tap me. It's, it's almost like, it's, it's, well, it's not, it's more like a respect thing. It's, 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 especially for like the instructors. Uh, I I will never go hard against an instructor at a gym unless I'm there for competition training, but it's, it's it's like a respect thing. Uh, I know students are watching. So there's, it's, when I go with older people, I, I, I try not to tap them. Uh, it's, it's now if we're there and it's a competition class and I know the other guy wants a certain thing for me, I'll do it. But yeah. I, I tailor almost each of my roles to what, to what's going on. And, and you're cool. a different fighting and rolling and whatever long enough. And you have enough confidence in yourself to not feel like you need to tap someone out every time, or you need to show. I think, well, and, uh, and people can sense know. it too. People can sense yeah. the, they can sense if you're peacocking. It's very, it's, I know when someone comes in and I know I could, I could, it's just from watching someone's movement, how they react. I know exactly what, what someone's and, up to. And you're a different story too, because, uh, you know, the black belts always have the, the targets on their back, right? You're always going to get the hardest role because I want to impress the black belt. I want to tap the black belt. I want to, you know, so you're going to get it. <laughs> You probably get it worse than anybody. Uh, and I if there's any lot. disruption in my internet, it it's storming upstairs so bad. So if there's any disruption, it start storming? It's oh, storming it's so today. bad, man. My dog's screaming, crying, trying to <laughs> pet him so he doesn't. Act I know it's calling for a tornado too or something. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm already in the basement. So I guess if my, my wife comes. Uh, my cows like they're things. different breeds, you know? So the Highlands don't, don't give a shit when it rains. They'll stand there and eat. And our jerseys were like under a tree, like, help us. <laughs> 
Mike, do you ever see with your, with your, uh, you know, with your lifestyle and eating and stuff like that, do you ever see yourself, um, moving out of the, out of the burbs and getting into, uh, some farm life later on in life? Is that ever been a goal? I actually, I actually own a farm. Do you? But it's not in this country. Oh, <laughs> tell us that about does it. Pose a problem. <laughs> I own a farm. I actually own a farm in Greece. Really? That was passed down to me. Yes, it was. It was from my That's grandfather kind of to my father. It's. Uh, I've been there many times. We have a house farm. farm. It. It's got oranges. It's got uh, tangerines, lemons, olives. Oh, citrus farm. Uh, they have. Uh, once, because I'm not there anymore. But there's a guy we. Uh, he sells the stuff at market every week. And that's like his payment. I let him keep the, he watches the farm for us. That's cool. And, and he sells you guys get to like visit market. it when you go on vacations and stuff? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I haven't gone. I haven't gone a long time, but he sends pictures, sends videos. Oh. Uh, we used to have chickens and rabbits on there. Meat uh, rabbits? And, hmm? Meat rabbits? Or just? Yes. yes. Okay. I like my grandfather and father would make us butcher the rabbits. So I was, I'm a little scarred. Did oh you, boy! I, I'll, I'll send you guys pictures of me holding rabbits up, and then we're just decapitated. <laughs> did you do like that? the pool method? Did you do like the shake method? Did you? No, they cut? would. They would. Well, the chickens they would cut the heads off and then right. let them take off, and we yeah. were. I'm seven years old. I'm like, that's <laughs> not right. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm so fucked up. <laughs> but like the rabbits, they would just the heads right there. Uh, they yep. the goats, the goats. Uh, it's like here, you have uh, Greek Easter's coming up. And if you see my videos, if you see what goes on at my house during Feasts. Easter, it's uh, it's we go we go get the goat, we go get a sheep. Uh, Never get your goat. We, we slaughter it. We go to the office to get our goats and sheep. And oh, that's we, awesome. Uh, uh, me and my my follow, we go slaughter them. Uh, we have uh, octopus. We have cuttlefish. Do the uh, we, do your kids help slaughter? Yes, yet? they're they're yeah. involved with the whole thing. That's uh, awesome. They help cool. they they help me dress the goat. They help everything. I, I have a lot of videos where you see me. Uh, getting the the meat ready with the kids, hanging the meat, uh, seasoning it, uh, and we but we eat all parts of, of the cow, everything the, the the tongue, the brain, the tail, uh, the, the intestines, everything. We there's not a thing we won't eat. That's just, something uh, that's so lost we don't waste in American culture. Yeah, Ew. that like <laughs> that like uh that grease and I was listening to a thing about French cuisine today. Like it's so common to eat the full animal. It's just, it's, it's just how things are done. And I think the American diet has gone so sadly away from that. And I think that's awesome that you and you're exposing your kids to that. Like a lot of people, I'm like, hey, uh, like I can make this or I make some liver. They're like, liver, oh, that's so gross. I'm like, liver. you should be pissed off that that is gross to you because that is the most nutrient dense thing you could eat on the same. Oh, uh, I love liver. Absolutely. Love liver. I like you more now so what's a uh so what is a snack for mr jiu-jitsu so when you come home Here's from training what, on instagram what uh what what is a what is a go-to snack for you uh i eat a lot oysters. I eat, uh, smoked oysters i love that i like i said i eat a lot of meat it's uh I, there's 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 time this is appropriate yeah i'll, I'll eat not that far <laughs> I, I, I usually eat like bacon or steak when I get home. Uh, if not, I, uh, some eggs. I, I really love, I really love my red meats. I love, uh, especially liver. Especially if I, 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 if I could, I would eat liver every day. I'm not gonna lie. I would eat liver almost every single day. I absolutely love it. Uh, I eat a lot of venison. 
my my fridge has I got elk meat, I got deer meat, I got bison, I got everything in there. And it's just, yes. yeah, it's just, getting hungry. It's, and my, my kids love it too. Like my kids nice. are like, and the kids at school were like, wait, you guys were eating elk meat yesterday? And they're like, what are you doing? They're just they're like, I didn't know you could play. there's people don't even know you can actually eat elk. You didn't get McDonald's? Yeah, they're just they're freaked out by it. So yeah, it's uh so there's some kind of meat every day in my diet. Uh, usually steak. I ate a lot of steak. I had, I had What's your favorite steak. kind of steak? I like porterhouses. I know people sound weird. I like porterhouses. I like a lot of meat. I like a lot. Yeah, of and meat. like yeah. I, I don't need I don't need no fancy fillets. I I'll eat a porterhouse all day long. No, and the fillets don't. That's not where the no, fat not, is. Yeah. No, need, I love the fat. fat. I love fat. I love fat. I'll be cutting a steak and I'll cut like a just it's just a piece of fat. My brain's like eat that right now. I don't even make it to the plate. I'm just eating it right off the cutting board. Sarah, you steak too. Sarah, well, we have gatherings. The family will they'll cut all their fat and they'll give it to me. That's beautiful. My they my mom does it. She's like, I don't, I don't like the way it tastes in my mouth. I'm like, I don't like what's coming out of your mouth. Shut up. Maybe I, maybe I have to live I would eat fat all day. We should eat animal fats. We should be eating nose to tail. If we do eat grains, we should be sprouting those grains. Like They need to be properly prepared for us to eat them and uh, raw dairy, raw eggs. I mean, it's just, it's a great book about, I think you think you get into it. It's, I'm going to have to check good. it out. I'm going to, uh, something I did is, uh, it's about seven years ago. I really started heavy on, on the meat diet, uh, three years ago, which this drives people crazy. I stopped eating fruit. It's been three years since I ate fruit. Uh, I have an avocado there and here, but I won't have oranges. I won't have apples. Uh, a banana rarity, but I pretty much like strawberries, blueberries. I just stopped eating all fruit and I feel great. I'm not going to lie. I feel, I feel better now than I was in my thirties and my twenties. And so I don't know I if like, it was all the sugar I was uploading. I know people love saying, you know, it's natural sugar. I'm like, it's still sugar. It's still yeah. sugar you're putting in your body. And I, I think I get enough sugar out of all the steak I eat. Yes. And like a lot of, a lot of people, what people don't know is like, I haven't eaten a vegetable in years. Like those, our stomachs are not made to digest roughage and greens and, you know, like, and there's nothing you can't find in fruits and veggies that you can't find in liver or kidneys or a spleen, or there's just no reason the bioavailability of meats for your nutrients is so much better, like night and day than fruits or vegetables. I support you, man. This is. I, I support. I'm, 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 a, I'm a Sarah fan. I'm a Sarah fan. Yeah, Tony, get off here. Tony, I'm your fan too, but I'm definitely a Sarah fan. She's she's, everything she's saying is like music to my ears. I love it. Kicked you need to come over. Me and Ray will cook dinner for you. Oh, I'm, def I'm definitely coming. I'm definitely coming. You guys might throw me out after an hour, but I'm definitely coming. <laughs> nah, <got it. laughs> hey, well, uh, we're coming up on time here. Um, Mike, I just wanted to say uh, thank you for coming on. Um, if you had to uh, to give somebody some advice, jujitsu related, whether it's showing up for the first time or them on the mats right now, what is the uh, what's the advice that you would give somebody? Okay, think about if you went to the store and you bought a puzzle with a thousand pieces, and if you went home that night and tried to put it together in one night, you're probably going to quit. You might play with it for an hour, two hours, and you're like, this isn't going to happen. You put it on a shelf and you'll never touch it again. Jiu-Jitsu is one piece of puzzle at a time. And one piece takes a month. And then the next month, another little piece. And the next month, another piece. Then after years, you start seeing a beautiful picture appear. And that's your puzzle. It's 
You got to do it one piece at a time. If you try to go from A to C without stopping at B, you're going to fail every time. One little step at a time. Awesome. I love the process. I like it. Amen to that. Sarah, you want to hit them with it? Okay. I always pose this question at the end. If you could do one thing to improve someone's health, you have one piece of advice health-wise, does that have to be about jujitsu? Doesn't have to be about all meats? What would it be? Strength training. Strength training. Strength training. I think strength why training though? is very important. Why? Uh, it's, it's something you can use. It's something you, you will always use. If, if Think about when people get older. Uh, they start, you know, they start losing muscle mass. And uh, as you get older, you need to grab something before you fall. If you have that extra strength training built up over the years, you're going to last longer than the average person who doesn't have it and can always help save you in an emergency. Uh, you, you have to depend on yourself. You're your own, uh, you're your own policeman. You're your own, you're your own, your own doctor. You're your own, you're your own savior. So if you have strength training, you can always, you can always do something. You can always save yourself. Be capable. I love it. Awesome. Mike, thank you again. Uh, Sarah, take us home. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to the Roseborg podcast. Mike, Mr. Jiu-Jitsu, Mike Mihas. It was awesome to have you on the show. Um, I came for the Jiu-Jitsu. I'm staying for the diet. It was a pleasure to meet you and talk to you. We'll see you guys next time. Till next time. The Rose Bork Podcast is brought to you by Rose Bork, where family, farm, and fitness all come first. Make sure you join our email list for the most up-to-date, exclusive content. The link to this list is in the description. Also, we would greatly appreciate it if you gave us a follow, shared our story, and left an honest review. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the podcast.